You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Here we are in the middle of the week. I can't even talk. And uh, I've tried to do this intro about five or six times, so I'm not going to do it again. I am going to just start over, and I'm going to say it's hump day. And we got another badass podcast for you guys today. Uh, Today is... I guess a first, we've actually had a, a podcast about sites, archery sites before, but it wasn't like the main topic. I think it was a secondary product that the company makes. But today we are going to be talking with Scott Bakken of HHA Sports, and they make single pin sites. And uh, so this entire podcast for the most part, you know, we got our little BS session up front, but uh, the entire podcast is about sites, their technology, their patents, uh, what makes their sites different, what makes their sites better, so forth and so on. So uh, we're going to get into a lot of detail today, and uh, Scott does a really good job of uh, giving us the 411, I believe that's what the kids say, but yeah badass podcast today hopefully everybody's having a great week uh thanks for tuning in and make sure you guys stick around uh to the end of the podcast so you can get information on how to win an hha site of your choice uh scott and the rest of the hha crew has decided to take part in this uh week's giveaway and uh so yeah you're by entering you can uh you know get a chance to win and uh how to win will be at the end of the podcast so not too much to talk about, really. I'm really, really freaking jacked for this weekend because Sunday I get to go check trail cameras on my main farm, and I haven't done it yet this year. So they've been soaking over a month, and I cannot wait to see what is on those cameras. I got a, I got a good feeling. Uh, you know, there's always that little bit of 
doubt, like, did my trail cameras work? Did my, you know, did I, did I forget to turn it them all, turn them on? Did the batteries die? You know, did uh, a bug die on the, you know, the eye of the trail camera? And all I got is about 4,000 pictures of just a bug. So those are the things that uh, keep me up at night. But uh, before we get into this week's podcast, let's hear what Matt Klein from Exodus Trail Cameras have to say of why they actually started Exodus Trail Cameras. Uh, you know, the biggest thing I believe that got us to this point is just frustration, not being happy with the products that were out there on the market, wanting to see better options on the market, looking around at all the all the hype and the buzz and the endorsements that go on in this industry and wanting to see products, at least in the trail camera side of things, that we could get into um, that were built solid, that were backed with great customer service, and that would last longer than two or three years was was really the biggest thing for us. If you guys want to find out more information about Exodus Trail Cameras, be sure to visit exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you do decide to purchase online, be sure to enter the code 9FINGERS. That's the number That's the number 9, followed by the word FINGERS. And that is no spaces. You can get $20 off of your purchase. That's pretty good if you ask me. And now let's get into this week's podcast with Scott Bakken from HHA Sports. All right. On the show with me today from HHA Sports is Scott Bakken. How's it going today, Scott? Pretty good. How about yourself? I cannot complain. It's hotter than normal. Uh, I shouldn't say hotter than normal. It's hotter than it was the last week. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty brutal hot uh, here in Wisconsin too. Very, very unseasonably warm and, and humid. And us uh, us Northerners do not uh, do not do very well in this hot humidity. But you know, hopefully it's not here to stay very long. That's right. In and out. Hopefully, how's uh, yeah. how's things looking in Wisconsin as far as uh, whitetail this year? Ah, uh, so far so good. Um, you know, the, the cameras that are you know we ourselves have out are starting to show some bigger deer popping up here and there um crops are looking really good so that's uh you know that helps add a little bit of the excitement and uh you know so so far so good um you know we had a really mild winter which always helps and uh kind of always seemed to help uh you know promote antler growth a little early so you know we kind of have that going for us so you know as long as uh you know, as long as the temps hold out, you know, come fall, we'll be, uh, we should be sitting pretty good. So, but, uh, seems to be a lot of deer up and moving and, uh, you know, in the area. So, you know, that, uh, that's good. What part of Wisconsin are you guys located at? We're in Wisconsin Rapids, um, which is, you know, Madison is the capital. So yep. we're about an hour and a half Northeast of uh, Madison. We're actually, I mean, if you kind of looked at a map of the state, we're almost dead center, right in the center of the state. So, um, you know, kind of, you know, central, central Wisconsin, I guess. Now a while back you guys had, uh, what was it? Uh, so a disease outbreak, right? Yeah. Um, actually let's see here, probably going on maybe 15 years ago. Okay. Um, we had the, we had the, the introduction of CWD, um, which, uh, you know, since has, uh, Kind of, it, it's changed the ball game of uh, deer hunting in Wisconsin. Um, 
you know, Wisconsin is, you know, like several states in the United States, you know, it's a state that uh, much of its income throughout the year is based on deer hunting. You know, come deer season, we get so many uh, visitors from out of state, you know, especially for rifle season. Um, but since, you know, the, you know, the discovery of CWD in Wisconsin, it's been a, it's been a game changer. And, you know, even since, you know, I was 12 years old, you know, started hunting, you know, I can remember the old days where, you know, it wasn't anything to see 12 to 20 deer on a sit. And there's still parts of the state where that's the case, but like, you know, the whole Northern part of the state, it's, uh, you know, it's just, there's not, the deer herd isn't, isn't what it used to be, but you know, we're still a strong, you know, state and, you know, we're still known for our big bucks, especially, you know, the Buffalo County area, which is just a couple hours West of us. So, um, yeah, you know, CWD has definitely affected us, but you know, there's still, there's still plenty of big bucks and, and a lot of deer to be found. You just got to work a little harder now. So it sounds, it, it almost sounds like you guys have recovered fairly well from that outbreak a while back. You, you guys weren't in that uh, CWD, CWD zone, were you, where it was like they sh- killed everything and then didn't have hunting for a while? We're, we're not in the, they call that the eradication zone. We're not in the eradication zone. Um, that's down around the Madison area, which, uh, like I said, you know, is about an hour and a half, uh, to the Southwest of us. Okay. But, um, now basically, you know, the eradication zone is still in effect. Um, but they've basically placed, uh, restrictions on any County where CWD has been discovered. Um, all the neighboring counties are affected. So, you know, currently, um, like Wisconsin Rapids, we're in Wood County, which borders uh, Portage County, which there was a case of CWD found in Portage County. So, like, we're not allowed to bait. We're not allowed to use mineral sites. Um, you, you can't put any artificial, um, you know, supplements out. You, I mean, you can still do your food plots and, you know, agriculture and stuff like that. But, you know, like this time of year, you know, back in the day, we relied on, you know, mineral blocks and mineral supplements to attract deer to see, you know, who was roaming around and help supplement antler growth. And because a neighboring uh, county did have uh, a CWD case, uh, we're not allowed to. So, um, like I said, it's, it, it's changed uh, kind of the dynamics, but, you know, we, we, I wouldn't say we've necessarily recovered yet. We're definitely on, you know, the way to recovery. It's just, you know, there's a lot of unknowns still about CWD and, uh, you know, how it, it, it directly, you know, is affected by, you know, human inter- interaction and human consumption and, you know, and how that directly affects deer. So, you know, there's, there, it's still a learning process and, you know, we, uh, we, we still manage. And like I said, there's still plenty of big deer out there and, and plenty of, uh, plenty of deer to be found. It's just, you know, it's not like it used to be, but. Right. Right. The glory days are over. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at least, you know, from in, in, you know, my day age, but you know, you never know what 10 years from now, all those glory days may be back or That's right. it, it could be worse. We, That's right. Who knows? Just, you know, enjoy the days while we have them and, you know, keep, uh, keep trying to think of new ways to, to be creative and, you know, to find deer. So. Exactly. So how, how that was just, your that completely moved to a new species and start <laughs> just move out West and just become a Western hunter. I mean, that's kind of my plan B, I guess. Hey, that's a good plan B, man. That's my, that's, <laughs> that's my plan B. Yeah. Plan B or just one big dream, you know, it's kind exactly. of, those two kind of coincide, but exactly. If my wife ever leaves me, I'm going to, I can move out West. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how was your, how was your 2015 hunting season? 2015 was uh was a se- was a season of learning um 
my, uh, I, anytime somebody asks me, I always say it was the worst season I've ever had as far as, um, tag field goes. Uh, I did not fill a single tag, um, in uh, 2015. However, it was a great, uh, it was a great year for experiences. Um, I went elk hunting out, out West for the first time in Colorado with, uh, with my brother, which was just an absolute, you know, um, just a wonderful experience and has just lit a new fire inside of me that I didn't even know existed. So, you know, that was great. Um, I got to hunt with my dad again for the first time in probably like 10 years. So, you know, seeing that, that, uh, you know, desire and fire lit inside of him was, you know, just, I mean, I could have killed a, you know, Boone and Crockett buck and I don't think I would have been as excited as I was to be able to hunt with my dad again. And, you know, although he didn't fill a tag either, but it was just, uh, it was just a great, uh, it was kind of a, you know, uh, resetting the bar, you know, right. You know, previous years I had, I had been pretty successful and was on a pretty good run and, you know, last year was kind of, uh, you know, a humbling season to kind of bring me back down to earth and, you know, kind of focus on some different things. So although I, I, I did not fill a tag, it, uh, it was still, a, you know, it was a great, uh, great season, you know, as far as experiences. And, but, you know, I can't say it wasn't frustrating either, you know, um, it definitely had its frustrations, but, at, but like I said, you know, it's, it's hunting. That's right. And if it's one thing that we have hunters, especially bow hunters have learned throughout the years is, uh, when you can realize that success is not in the kill, but in the, in, you know, enjoyment of the season, then you've, you've really figured it out. And, uh, that's right. kind, of the, the, kind of the same way with me. I hunted hard. I took a couple does, had my first Western elk trip and, uh, I, you, you just wouldn't trade it in for the world, how that, how it ended up because it experiences everything. Right. Right. And, you know, last year really made me kind of realize that, uh, you know, especially that, you know, going out West with my brother, which, you know, neither one of us had ever done that before. And it was a do it yourself hunt. And, um, you know, we, uh, I've never learned so much in, you know, a week of hunting and, uh, you know, my brother was, you know, fortunate enough, but unfortunate enough, he did uh, hit a really nice elk and, a good bowl and we just uh, we were not able to recover he had uh, he had some bad luck with the whole deal but uh um you know i kind of realized that although i love hunting myself i actually kind of enjoy being the guy behind the scenes just as much you know i did all the calling and kind of guiding you know for my brother and i out west i did all the you know stand prep food plot prep and scouting for my dad and you know i almost i almost enjoyed that more than I did actually getting out and hunting. So, you know, I kind of learned a lot just, you know, not only about hunting, but kind of about myself as a hunter. And you're exactly right. You know, if, uh, you know, if every season it's just all about punching a tag and shooting a giant buck, you know, you're kind of missing, in my mind, you're kind of missing the point of hunting because hunting is, uh, it's so much more to that. You know, that's one thing anti-hunters don't, understand you know they think we're all just these bloodthirsty you know killers which you know killing is part of hunting but it's you know that's such a small part of it you know and it's almost you know like again for me as i get older you know it's just there's so much more out there than the kill part like you know yeah you know killing an animal it puts food on the table it's conservation all that stuff but you know it's 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 really not about that exactly well hha 
This is a gear podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about gear today, especially you guys' uh, archery sites. Um, But before we get into like the product specs and the technology and all that stuff, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for the company? Okay. Well, my, uh, I'm I'm not, uh, I'm not a man of titles, but uh, my official title is the director of sales and marketing. So anything sales and marketing related, that's my primary responsibilities. However, um, you know, everybody at HHA has a title, but you know, we do so much more outside of that. Um, you know, so, you know, I do everything from helping with the accounting, you know, uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable, assembly, packaging, shipping, you know, everybody kind of lends a hand where it's needed. So, you know, come busy season, I may down, I may be downstairs helping assemble product. You know, we, we all jump in where, um, where help is needed, but my, uh, my official responsibilities or primary responsibilities are, uh, are handling the sales and, and marketing, um, responsibilities. Perfect. So at, from, let's start at the very beginning, like we always do here. When was HHA established? And, uh, I guess talk to us a little bit about why the founders felt that they needed to design or start a company that made archery sites? Um, well, so HHA, uh, it actually stands for Harry Ham and Associates. So Harry Ham is the founder of HHA. He started the company back in 1984, 1985, around there. And, uh, and you know, his, one of his ideas was uh, two-finger thumb release, and then kind of evolved into, you know, uh, one of the first designs for, like, a cardboard deer uh, silhouette target. Um, they had broadhead stabilizers, uh, rests, uh, you name it. HHA has kind of has made it at one point. Um, but it really, you know, the company really didn't take off until uh, around 1995 when the first optimizer was uh, was introduced. And you know, Harry, who is still around today, he was, uh, you know, he's he's a, he's a tinker. He's a, he, you know, he's always messing around with things and, you know, he's got an engineering mindset as well as, I mean, he's a great business mindset, but, uh, so he's always, he was always tinkering with stuff and, you know, that's how the, the optimizer, um, the first, you know, our first single pin was, was designed. And, um, you know, I, I guess I, I don't really know the whole story as far as why he decided to, uh, design uh, a single pin, but, you know, part of it is, you know, he knowing Harry and, you know, kind of the way he thinks he probably saw, you know, down the road, bulls are only going to get faster. And, you know, one pin is really all it needs. And, um, you know, and really any archer shooting one pin um, has the uh, ability to be more accurate, just focusing on a single pin. Um, so that's how HHA got started. Like I said, you know, the, the first site was in 1995 and it's just been, nothing but growth sense. So, um, you know, now Harry's, uh, kind of getting up there in age and he's kind of, you know, stepping aside and, um, you know, he's got two sons and a daughter that are, uh, have stepped in and are running the company now. And, um, you know, it's still going strong today. And, you know, the, the company's expanded on the optimizer, optimi- uh, excuse me, the optimizer name. And, um, you know, there's, it's a whole family of, uh, of optimizer sites right now. So uh, go into detail a little bit about what, the optimizer is so the optimizer um the original optimizer um was a single pin um adjustable site so it had a scope housing with a horizontal 
Um, and it wasn't even, I believe the first one wasn't even fiber optic, uh, but it was just a one focal point pin um, with a fixed base and a sliding arm. So when you moved uh, the adjustment arm, your sight moved up and down. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, that was the optimizer. And, uh, and you know, since now we have the optimizer light, which is basically just a revamped version of the original optimizer. It's still a single pin, you know, sliding arm adjustable. Um, and then that's grown into the optimizer ultra, uh, which again is still a single pin adjustable, but rather than a, having an adjustment arm, it's actually an adjustment wheel or a dial. Um, and the biggest advantage to the dial is um, you get a greater yardage range on the dial because it's a it's a cylinder, it's a it's a, it's a round or a radius uh, curve. So you know, on on a single pin sliding arm, it just moves up and down. Um, so your increments, you know, are uh, are kind of smaller where uh, on the dial you can get a, a larger range and in smaller increments. Um, so, the, so the dial was introduced on the Ultra and then since has evolved into our Optimizer Kingpin, which is, it's kind of a, the Kingpin is basically a do-all site, whether you're a, a 3D shooter or a hunter, it'll do, it'll do everything. And it's kind of a combination of any idea that we HHA has had over the last, you know, 20 something years all combined into one site. So. Okay. So, you know, when I very first started archery, I had a, a multi-pin site and, mm -hmm. uh, it, it was very difficult to, uh, to adjust. And then most of it was, most of it was because I was probably an idiot and didn't know what I was <laughs> doing back then. But, uh, but then I ended up going to a single pin for a little while. And, um, I had some, some unpleasant experiences with it and, and, and then I went back to a multi-pin. Now, I'll, I'm going to explain to you what happened. And maybe what I would want you to do is maybe tell me, or try to change my mind into going back to kind of a single pin model. I yeah. I was in a tree stand and, you know, I have my, I have my, um, my bow set at, oh, or my sight set somewhere around the 30 yards. I think it was at 30 yards. And as this buck was coming in, he was, uh, he was kind of zigzagging. He was going from 20 to 40, from 20 to 40, from 20 to 40, back and forth. And I'm sitting there trying to tinker with my sight. And when he finally got into the, op um, an opening, I had to quickly, cause he was walking away from me and it was basically a guess. And as I was adjusting it, he, he got out of my, uh, shooting lane and he, he walked by and that was the last year I was with a single pin. So now tell me, what did I do wrong? What, what, uh, what could, uh, why should I go back to a single pin? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's funny because before you even told me that story, I could have, I could have guessed what the scenario is because that is, <laughs> the, I, I honestly, um, that is the number one question or frequently asked question or concern that we hear, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, people calling in or we hear at the shows or whatever is that exact same scenario. And, you know, it happens. And, um, you know, I, I, I'll admit, you know, before when I, um, before I worked for ATHA, you know, back when I started hunting, I shot, uh, I actually did shoot, um, 
an HHA site. And um, I was 14 years old and uh, this beautiful 12 point buck comes in, split brow tines, comes in at 10 yards. And I had my sight set on 20 and in the men, you know, in the excitement and everything, I forgot to compensate and in low and aim low. And I ended up hitting the buck high in the shoulder and ran away, never found him. And uh, it's actually kind of two years later, my, my younger brother ended up shooting that same buck with a rifle. Um, and uh, he was, of course, even bigger. But anyways, from that day forward, I swore off. I would never use a single pin sight again because of that. But so it, it happens and it, it's nothing that, you know, you did wrong or, well, I, I did something wrong. I was an idiot and didn't yeah. think, you know, but whatever. And um, so basically with, with that scenario, um, and it's funny because we, we literally just shot a video on this on Saturday. Um, you know, it really comes down to, you know, you, you, you got to know your equipment, right? You, you have to know what the capabilities of your equipment are. Is You have to know what your arrow is doing at various distances. So how much is my arrow dropping from 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50? Um, you know, with, with a multiple pin, it's easy to see that because you can do that. You know, you can judge that by the gapping of your pins. Um, and, you know, and, and I'll say in, you know, the older days when bulls weren't shooting as fast, uh, you know, it probably made more sense to shoot a multiple pin because, you know, the distance, the gapping between your pins was greater. But nowadays with as fast as bulls are, you know, if you're shooting a three, four or five pin sight, you know, those pins get awfully close and, um, it's really, it gets harder and harder to, to tell the difference between them all. And, you know, even though they're different colors, pretty soon you're just looking at this rainbow of, you know, a blob of color. So, um, you know, that, that still is, you know, again, to get back to your situation, what, uh, what we recommend is, uh, you got to practice and you got to find that sweet spot on your site to where, um, you can have your site set at 30 yards, um, and, be able to know, okay, at 30 yards, if my sight's at 30 yards, um, I need to aim a hair low at 20 or a hair low at 10 or a little bit high at, at 30 or 40. And there's actually a test you can do. And again, we just filmed this uh, test on Saturday and it was an article that I actually read. Um, it was written by Dan Evans from Trophy Taker. And he, uh, you know, we, we've always explained to customers, you got to practice, you got to know your equipment, but Dan, laid it out in terms that even I could understand, which is pretty, if I can understand it, that's, I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Um, but basically what is it? It's called finding your maximum point blank range. So it's, it's setting your site at 20 and basically starting at five yards and walking all the way back to 40, shooting an arrow at each dis at each distance and basically setting up like eight inch kill zone on a deer target and figure out, all right, what well, 20 yards, if I aim at the top of the kill zone from five to 40 yards, where's, where's my, where are my arrows going to hit and how many arrows am I going to land within that kill zone? So in doing this testing, um, you know, again, you do it at 20 with your sights at 20 yards, with your sights set at 30 yards and with your sights set at 40 yards and your sights set at 40 yards, um, because, you know, physics and all that kicks in, you actually aim at the bottom of the eight inch kill zone. And so in doing this testing, I actually found out that for my setup, if I have my sink and site set at 40 yards, I will land from five yards all the way out to 40 yards, which is 15 shots. 
I landed all 15 arrows within that kill zone. And actually, I even went back to 45, aiming at the top of the kill zone, and still landed an arrow in there. So, um, so again, with the test, I found out if my sight's at 40, I'm covered from 5 to 45 yards. So that's a very long-winded explanation of, you know, what, you know, what could be done, but that's, that's literally what you have to do to have right. the best results. I mean, there's always going to be something that happens. And I mean, it's hunting, they're wild animals. You never know. Um, but by doing a test like that and, and trying to figure out where that sweet spot is, it really, it'll save you a lot of heartache in the end. Um, I mean, the preferred way is grabbing my range finder and finding the exact yardage and adjusting it. But I mean, if you're worried about something like that happening, you know, where an animal comes in and it's kind of zigzagging and it's covering a lot of different yardages, um, you, you, it just comes down. You got to know where, you know, where, where's that kill zone and where do I need to aim within that kill zone, you know, with my sights set at, at a specific yard. Right. And that's, and it's one of those things that maybe, you know, people who have killed a lot of deer know that, uh, uh, a vital shot, uh, you know, a deadly shot on a whitetail can be as big as, you know, a pizza plate. I mean, it can, it's, right. a, it's a pretty big area. So you right. know, whether you're high or you're low, you're inside of that, like you said, kill zone, there's definitely right. room, there's room for, um, being off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, you know, this was, you know, I, and an eight inch, when I say an eight inch kill zone, I mean, that's what I would consider you know, uh, you know, an arrow placed within that area would, would be a killing shot. You know, obviously there's outside factors like, you know, your tree stand height or, you know, if you're sitting on the ground and stuff like that. And, you know, some people might say, well, no, I'm, you know, I think a kill zone is only six inches, which that's fine. It's just, it, the results will, you'll find, you'll, you'll get the results you need by doing a test like that. And, um, you know, I, it's, you know, we, we, primarily produce single pin sites but yet you know we're we have nothing against multiple pin sites it's just you know having one focal point has proven to to make you more accurate you know rather than taking the guessing game out of uh you know all right so he's at you know an animal's at 37 yards so now do i use my 30 yard pin and aim high or do i use my 40 yard pin and aim low where you know with a single pin site you just dial it to 37 or 35 or whatever and, uh, and you're good to go. Um, so, you know, that in a nutshell, I guess that's why, you know, you should shoot a single pin. Right. <laughs> don't well, don't ask you. me to write that out in instructions because, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be here for weeks, but yeah, that's a long, long winded answer for, uh, for a simple question, but you know, it's, it's just fine. Uh, cause I mean, like I said, we literally just did that test on Saturday and we, we will have a, a video, um, posted on our Facebook and our website explaining that whole process um, in greater detail, but good. I'll, I'll have to share it on my end. And that way, when I launch this, then, uh, guys can take a look at it, but, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So going back to this optimizer, um, is this a, a, pa- a patented product or a patented design and, and technology? Um, yes and no. Um, the, the, you know, the concept of a single pin site, um, is not, you know, that's, there's nothing, uh, uh, proprietary about it. Um, the only thing that we can hang our hat on and call ours is our yardage tapes. Okay. Um, we do have a, a few other, you know, things with our name on it, but, uh, that our, our real claim to fame 
is our yardage tape system. So with any of our sites, uh, right out of the package, they come with a tape already on the site, you know, whether it's a dial adjustment or a sliding arm, it'll have a setup tape on it. And uh, what you do is you shoot, uh, you sight in at 20 yards and 60 yards. So if at 20 yards, you're at mark 20 on your setup tape, and at 60 yards, you're at mark, you know, just for simplicity, you're at mark 60, you take 20 from 60, and that gives you 40. And in every uh, sight package, there's a package of pre-printed digital sight tapes, and they all have a number along the top. So because, uh, you know, we took our two numbers, 20 and 60, and that gave us 40, we'll find tape number 40. And uh, you match up your 60-yard mark on the pre-printed tape with the 60-yard mark on the, on the setup tape and lay the tape down on top. And now from 20 to 80 yards, we have you dialed in by the yard. So that's, that's what we can call ours is, is, the, way, uh, is the way we sight you in um, with our sight-up tape. So, you know, that in the old days, like the, the original optimizer, you just used a, a piece of white masking tape. And you shot every single yard and, you know, use a red pen, blue pen, whatever to mark all the different yardages. And, you know, it'd take you a couple of days to get all your yardages laid out. And now, I mean, 20 minutes, we can, um, we can have you dialed in from, like I said, from 20 to 80 yards. Perfect. Now, what, what kind of material are all of your sites made out of? Everything's machined aluminum. Um, all of our sites are, are manufactured and assembled right here in Wisconsin Rapids. So we, we truly are 100% a USA made uh, company. Um, so all of our, uh, you know, everything comes in these big, long extruded uh, bar stock basically from Wausau, which is just a little bit north of here. And then um, we do all the CNC machining, all the cutting, everything is uh, done right here in Rapids. And then everything gets sent to Green Bay for anodizing and it comes back to rapids to our, our home office where it's all assembled packaged and shipped out so um you know that pretty much the only thing that is not metal on our sites is our fiber optic and you know maybe a few you know teflon washers and stuff like that but otherwise everything's 100 percent machine to machine aluminum good now over time let's say i buy one of one of your uh, sites and i see there's their their gears or something in there right mm-hmm. that allow it mm-hmm. to rotate do those gears wear over time or do they slip? Um, what's the durability like of, of these sites? I think, I mean, it's, uh, well, to answer your first question, the, the gears themselves will, will never, um, round off on you. Um, there are some, like I said, Teflon bushings where, you know, in a, in a period of maybe 10 years, those will wear out. Um, but I mean, the, the durability of the site, of the sites are, you know, probably one of the best in the industry. And, you know, all of our products carry a 100% lifetime guarantee. So if anything were to happen, um, you know, anybody can just send their site in and we'll, we'll repair it and have it turned around and sent back in 48 hours. So our, uh, our tech team and assembly team are, you know, fantastic. And I mean, they know, they know the products and, you know, they can pretty much fix anything, but, uh, you know, it's very rare that we have, an actual like part failure normally it's self-induced 
Um, you know, some of the sites that we get back for warranty, I mean, they look like they went through a meat grinder, um, <laughs> which is what, you know, I like seeing stuff like that because it means people are, you know what I mean? Like right. I love seeing sites that have some, you know, some bruising and rusting and stuff like that. Cause it means people are using it and we'll cover it. You know, there's nothing that we won't cover. So, you know, like I said, the, the, you know, all of our products carry the 100% uh, lifetime guarantee. Nice. So, all right. Now that uh, we, we, I guess, when you guys are sitting around trying to design the next, uh, I guess the next site that you're going to introduce, what what are some things that are are on the discussion uh, table as far as I guess categories? We need we need it to do this or we need it to do that. And is there, if you do one thing, is there something else that you're compensating for on the other end? Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, that, that's actually a really good question because, uh, you know, pretty much up until this year, it's always our focus has always been on sites. And, uh, you know, that's always where, we've led. you know, we've always been a leader in the in the single pin uh, market. And, you know, we've, we've started to steal some market share from the multiple pin market as well as the single pin market. But, uh, you know, there's always that time where you kind of have to start looking outside the box. And uh, really, it comes down to, you know, looking at, uh, you know, what are our capabilities and, you know, what are our strengths when it comes to manufacturing and how can we transition that into a new market, you know, whether it be a quiver or a stabilizer or a rest, you know, it, it's got to it's got to be a good fit for what we know how to do. Um, you know, HHA, we're uh, we've been around a long time. Um you know, we, we, we like to think we're a fairly big name in the industry, but, uh, you know, the company itself is not that big. So our resources are pretty limited. You know, we don't have a huge, you know, manufacturing budget or a huge promotional budget or a huge, um, you know, engineering budget. So everything's, you know, it's gotta, it's gotta make sense and it's kind of got to flow with, you know, what we're currently doing and as well as, you know, who our, uh, supply partners are you know, and, and what they can provide us, you know, so kind of starting something just completely off the wall that would require, you know, a ton of new, uh, you know, setup and stuff like that, you know, options are always endless, but, you know, when we're actually looking at designing new products and possibly entering new markets, you know, that's, that's kind of what we look at is, you know, how can we do this efficiently and, um, you know, how can we do this, you know, in a cost effective manner as well too, because, you know, that is the one thing that not our, our products aren't necessarily the, the cheapest. They do, they do bring in a pretty, a pretty high retail uh, price, but you know, there's a lot that goes into making them. And uh, like I said, they're all made in the United States. So, you know, we pay United States workers. So, you know, our cost of manufacturing a little higher. So, you know, that's kind of the thought process. And then, you know, generally after, you know, a, a case or two of, uh, of, 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 uh, Lining cools, we kind of a little more creative, but <laughs> hey, you'd be surprised what kind of ideas can come from a case of lining googles. I, I I have a notebook for <laughs> what I think are fantastic <laughs> ideas. Just trying to find somebody that agrees with me. <laughs> That'll never work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bunch so, of naysayers. That's right. Now, uh, in in regards to the sites, then, so you guys maybe. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys want to make your sites. You don't want to have 
a whole bunch of products that might be mediocre. You guys want to have a smaller amount of products that are close to perfect. Pretty, that's, that's exactly right. Um, you know, nothing, nothing we do is mediocre. It's either, I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's got to work or we're not going to do it. Um, and that's kind of, I mean, that was the mindset of Harry, the founder is, you know, it's either, it's going to be the best. It's, it's gotta be, you know, the Cadillac of what's out there or it's not, it's not going to happen. And, you know, there's been a lot of great ideas that we've had over the years, um, that probably would have taken off like wildfire, but because, you know, there was a hang up here, a hang up there that, uh, you know, wouldn't allow us to, to make it to the best that we can, you know, they've, they've been sidelined. So yeah, not, nothing we do is, is subpar. I mean, it's either, it's either the best or it's, or it's not going to happen. So, and, um, and yeah, I mean, we, we actually have, I mean, if you were to see our price list, we actually have a pretty extensive amount of, of SKUs, but really, I mean, we have three site models. It's just, there's variations within those models, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we'd rather, you know, have a limited, uh, limited offering of, of the best products rather than, you know, a very broad offering of, you know, mediocre products. Right. All right. So, Let's talk a second about um, the sites and installing them on the bows. Uh, is there a difference? I mean, is there anything special that people need to know in regards to installing uh, one of your sites or maybe a single pin site in general to the bow, or is it pretty self-explanatory? It's pretty self-explanatory. Well, you know, I say that because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm around it every day. Um, you know, if, if somebody was new to the sport and, you know, just picked up a bow and is, is trying to set up themselves, you know, maybe not so self-explanatory, but, you know, in a nutshell, whether it's, you know, our site or anybody else's, um, you know, you basically screw, you have two screws that mount the site to the bow, and then you're going to have a screw or two screws that mount the site housing to the frame and, you know, and, and it's ready to roll. Um, you know, and when it comes to our sites, that's literally all it is to, to assemble them is, you know, four screws. You get, you know, two uh, larger screws from out in the frame to the bowl and then two small from out in the housing to the frame. Um, it's, you know, the actual setup of the, of the site, you know, finding your yardage tape and, and, uh, and with the setup tape, that probably takes a little bit more explanation. Um, but, you know, it's the initial setup. It, it's, it's very simple. And, you know, again, some of the best uh, technicians with available. I mean, anybody that has, ever has any questions, you know, our lines are always open and they can call and get, uh, right over the phone or that way. And, um, you know, when we try to provide, you know, really good instructional videos and stuff right. for our website and, and other, other outlets. So, you know, for the do it yourselfers, it, uh, you know, it should be pretty, pretty cut and dry. Okay. So now we have, you know, you guys have different models and, and break, it almost looks like, different models inside of models. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about maybe recommending a, a, a site for different types of categories of hunters. And, um, mm -hmm. I think, sure. uh, the, the first thing so, we'll just, we'll just kind of start with the, your basic tree stand hunter who is, you know, sitting in a tree all day. They're, they're not looking at probably 40 yard shots unless they're on a, on a field edge, you know, what kind of, okay. what kind of site would be good for them? 
Uh, probably, uh, I mean, it's our number one seller. And again, it's kind of, it's, it's been the site that's been in the line for 20 something years. Uh, that's our optimizer light. Um, that's just the single pin adjustable with the sliding arm. Um, that site, I mean, like I said, it's our number one seller. It's, uh, it's just a foolproof site. Um, you know, it, it, it's just a great hunting site. It doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles on it. It's literally, it's kind of a point and shoot type of site. Um, but it still comes with the setup tape. It still comes with all of our pre-printed yardage tapes. Uh, you know, the only difference being, you know, like I kind of explained earlier with it being a slide, you know, just an arm that's moving vertically. Um, you know, our, our increments on our yardage tapes are in five yard increments. Um, so, you know, if you're not into exact precision, like I have to be dialed in at every single yard, um, it's, it's the perfect site. It, I would say it's the perfect average Joe everyday bow hunter site. Um, I mean, it, it'll, it'll kill anything just as well as our, you know, $400 kingpin. Um, it's just when you get the difference in, you know, just how important is precision to you? You know, if you want to, like I said, you want to be dialed into every single yard, then, you know, you might want to step up into it to the next model. But, uh, you know, regardless of the model, um, you know, like we have a part number, OL5519, which that's our number one selling SKU. That's an optimizer light 5519. And the 5519 stands for a 5500 series scope housing, which comes with uh, five feet of fiber optic wrap. So that's five feet of fiber optic wrapped around the housing. And then it also has an, a machined aluminum adjustable rheostat, which basically it's just a, it's a cover that goes over the scope housing and you can adjust just by spinning it in and out, how much fiber optic is exposed. So if all the fiber optic is exposed, your, your pin's going to be glowing, you know, like a neon bar sign. I mean, it's, it's going to be, we call it the, the starburst of the halo effect to where like high noon, um, like a 19,000th pin is going to look twice the size. So by dialing some of that fiber optic down or covering some of that fiber optic, you'll actually will shrink and clean up that, that pin picture. So, um, that 5,500 series is available on all of our site models, as well as, um, we offer two different scope housing sizes, an inch and five eighths for a two inch housing, um, which is our XL series. So, um, you know, if, if, if somebody were asking Scott, what's the, what's the best site for just an, uh, an average ball owner, I would say the, the optimizer like 5519, well, the OL5519, and that'll, that'll take, take care of them. Okay. So now let's move to maybe someone who specifically hunts in a ground blind. Ground blind, I mean, again, any one of the models, whether it's the Optimizer Light, Optimizer Ultra, and Optimizer Kingpin, all of them would be great site. Um, where I would say, you know, I would recommend something a little different would be in the scope housing. Um, you know, uh, sitting in the ground blind, your limited light, uh, you know, availability, so you don't have as much light shining in on the actual fiber optics. Uh, so something like our two inch scope housing, you know, which has six feet of fiber optic wrap, um, any little light that hits that, it's going to gather more light. So that's going to make the pin brighter inside of the blind. However, you know, we, we tend to suggest you match the scope housing up with your peep size. So if you're shooting a quarter inch peep, uh, a two inch sight housing will work awesome. But if you're shooting a quarter, uh, you know, three sixteenths or smaller, 
PEEP than the inch and five eighths housing will work better because, you know, you're matching your scope housing up with your PEEP aperture. So um, you can always add one of our 2,500 um, blue sight lights uh, to the scope housing, which will help shine um, some light on those fiber optics. So, you know, um, in a ground blind, as far as the actual model, you could go with any model and it just, you know, kind of depends on the scope housing. Then if you, if you want a two inch housing or a five eighths housing with a, with a sight light. Okay. Now, as we start getting out West, um, animals are going to be at completely different ranges. And, and we know that we're going to be shooting longer ranges, um, mm-hmm. in order to, you know, potentially get a kill. Uh, what, uh, product might work best for the, uh, the let's say the the western or like the western midwest like the your dakotas all the way to your mountains sure uh for out west i would definitely you know go with our optimizer kingpin um our our optimizer ultra will work um you know either one because both of them have the dial yardage mark um which uh you know again that'll dial that'll dial you in by the yard versus five yard increments like on the light but I, I say the kingpin because on that dial, um, one, our sight tapes will take you out to 100 versus 80 um, on the optimizer light and the optimizer ultra. So on the kingpin, we'll sight you in out to 100 yards by the individual yard. Um, but two, uh, the kingpin sends it, it, it sits a little bit farther away from your bull riser. So you're going to get a little bit extension out of it. Um, as well as uh, it also comes with second and third axis adjustment, which, you know, if you're shooting up, uphill, downhill, side hill, um, that second and third axis will help keep that, the, the, uh, the bubble level in your side, uh, scope housing level so you don't get any left or right variations based on, you know, the angle of the shot. So, um, you know, for long range, it kind of ex- more extreme conditions and more, you know, rugged uh, country, the kingpin, I don't think you could beat it. Okay. Now, one thing that just popped into my head is we got moving parts and there are times when there are unfavorable, unfavorable conditions like it's snowing or, uh, Mm -hmm. there's moisture that freezes, uh, there, you know, it gets heat and then it's cold back and forth, back and forth with how often are you experiencing ice building up on some of those moving parts or dirt or grime um does that break away fairly easy or is that something that needs to be cleaned out uh when it happens it it all depends i mean uh you know being in wisconsin i mean we're exposed to some pretty you know wicked conditions whether you know it's snow ice um freezing rain you know you you name it and um you know just kind of, it, it all depends on the, on the extremity, you know, if, uh, if you're hunting a complete ice storm, yeah, I mean, parts are going to get frozen and stuff like that. Um, you know, being machined aluminum, it, it gets cold. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, you, you'll get freeze up, but I mean, your site's not going to break. It's not going to shatter. Um, and you know, as far as getting, you know, your site dirty and in the mud, that's going to happen too, if you're spotting and stalking and, um, yeah, I mean, there might be a time where you have to take the site off and, you know, run it under hot water or, you know, take a, a cleaning brush to it to get some dirt and grime out of, uh, out of some of the parts. But I mean, you know, HHA, like I said, we've been around for 20 something years. So, I mean, you name the condition and one of our sites have been through it. And, um, you know, we have plenty of people 
um, you know, shooting our stuff, whether it's, you know, on the, you know, on the, out in the Northeast, the Midwest, the West, Alaska, wherever you name it, you know, our sites have been there and, and they've all performed. It's just, you know, mother nature's brutal. You never know what she's going to throw at you. And, but, uh, you know, I, I can tell you with, I mean, 100% confidence, not just because I work for the company, but because I truly do believe in our products. Um, there isn't a condition that, you know, our sites and, uh, our sites can handle outside of, you know, maybe getting ran over by a tank or something like that. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, weather wise, I mean, they'll, they'll take it. I mean, our, our sites literally are meant to take a, to take a beating. Okay. So, you know, with all the sites on those pin and single pin, you know, I was this weekend, I was just at, uh, at a local shop. Our archery shop and you know there's rows and rows and rows of everything and there's multiple versions of everything when mm-hmm. someone walks in and is deciding what site they need to buy why do they need to consider hha well i mean you're right i mean it, the competition is, has never been stronger than it is now and uh you know to be honest with you uh, i mean there's there's truly not a bad site out there. I mean, you know, whether it's a black gold or, or a spot hog, you know, within the single pin market, they all make great sites. Um, you know, probably the main reason that I would steer someone towards an HHA is one, you know, like I've said before, everything's made right here in the USA. So, I mean, we control everything when it comes to the quality. So, uh, you know, not only are you purchasing, purchasing quality, but you're purchasing a product that, if you ever have an issue, uh, you know, you're going to be covered, uh, two, you know, I'm, I touched on our site and tapes, um, you know, again, there's a lot of great sites out there and, you know, a lot of great site companies, but as far as the actual site in process, I don't think you can beat our system. Um, our tape system is, I mean, literally takes all the guesswork out of, uh, you know, like citing in your site. And then, you know, I touched on, you know, the fiber optic wrap where, you know, if you were to compare, you know, our optimizer line of a site with a lot of the competition, um, I, I think you'll, you'll notice right away that our sites truly are brighter than most of the sites out there. So, uh, you know, the, the quality is there, the durability is there. Um, and, you know, I think in that, any site we build, we give, you know, the archer, the shooter, the the tools and the opportunity to be the best shot that they can. Um, so, I mean, with, with those few features listed that, I mean, that those would be why I would, uh, you know, recommend an HHA that. And, you know, and again, it's, uh, you know, we're just kind of a, a hometown company and, you know, we always have your back. If, if you have any questions, we're always here to, to take care of you. You know, you're never going to get uh, a receptionist or, a, or, a, you know, a machine. It's, it's us on the phone, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the VP of operations or, you know, the director of sales and marketing like myself, you know, we answer the phones every day. So you're going to get one of us. Will you guys guarantee if I, if I switch to uh, one of your guys' sites, will you guarantee that I'll kill a booner this year? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, one, it depends on where you're hunting. So I mean, if you're hunting like, I mean, you're hunting in Arizona. If you're hunting like Tuesday in Arizona, then no. But okay. Okay. Um, uh, no, I mean, uh, would I love for you to kill a booner from one of our sites? Absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, will will you be a more accurate shooter when it comes time to shooting a booner? Yeah, as long as you know you don't uh, 
Buck Fever doesn't set in and you completely <laughs> botch the shot. But, you know, no, I mean, I, I wish I could. I wish I could stamp that guarantee on every package. <laughs> you guys would sell you know, millions. You guys would sell <laughs> yeah. millions. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be on the phone with you right now. I'd be taking my private jet down there to meet with you face-to-face. Well, Scott, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come out or, uh, and do the record the podcast. And uh, I'm sure all the listeners uh, found this enjoyable. If, uh, if people want to find out more information about HHA Sports, where should we send them? Um, they can find us on our website uh, online at www.hhasports.com. Um, they can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, all the social media platforms and, or, you know, they can always pick up the phone and, and give us a call. And, you know, if anybody has any questions, like I said, I mean, we're, we're here to, to help out. So, um, yeah. Well, I tell you what, thanks for coming on the show and uh, good luck this upcoming season. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity and, uh, and same to you. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we made you forget about your bad experience with your last team <laughs> opinion and we, we brought you over to the, to the bright side. Sounds good. All right, there you have it. This podcast is done and in the books. Huge shout out to Scott. Uh, Thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, repping HHA. Thanks to you, the listener, for clicking, downloading, subscribing, whatever it is that you're doing to, you know, listen to this podcast. Huge thank you. And to reward you today, Scott and the rest of the HHA crew has decided to take part in the a podcast giveaway and just like always here's what you're going to win you're going to win your choice of site from hha and how do you win it well it's easy all you have to do is go to the nine finger chronicles facebook page share the post that mentions this podcast then you need to go to hha's facebook page like it and leave a comment nine fingers sent me uh, and I'll check to see if you've done all those things and I will pick one winner sometime next week. And there you have it. Pretty simple. Another huge shout out to, uh, Exodus outdoor gear. I'm serious guys. Go take a look at their cameras. They are pretty badass. Other than that, I wish I had something cool to say. Uh, uh, anyway, who cares? The weekend, it, the week is half over. Uh, the weekend is is drawing near, and uh, if you guys are in a tree this weekend, be sure to wear your damn safety harness.